Good morning, everyone. So glad that you could be here with us this morning. And as you see, we have a lot more room this morning, so we can spread out and get more people in the seats. As we get settled this morning, before we have a prayer, uh, please turn into your Bibles to First and Second Kings, chapter twenty-two. Second Kings chapter 22. Let us pray. Lord God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for helping us to be here this morning. Through all our aches and pains and battles that we have throughout life, you've allowed us still, Lord, to want to serve you, to study more about you. Help us to never lose that thirst and that desire to want to get to know you more and better. Please bless us, Lord, as we study your word this morning. Help us, Lord God, not to only study it and look at it and read it this morning, this day, but to have it in our lives each and every day as we live our, uh, as we walk Go about the spiritual walk, Lord, on this earth until we're called home. Help us, Lord, not to just live until death comes, but help us to live a life that that is worthy and a life that is that is showing that we want to live in heaven with you, Lord. And that, in a sense, this is practice here for us, serving you and blessed and, and being blessed by you and worshiping you now so that we can worship you even more in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to take us back to Josiah. I know we we spoke about him a little bit last week, and I wanted to speak just a little bit more as we end our study of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. In chapter 21, in verse 26, we see that um, well, we see that Josiah's dad died. It was verse 25. His name is Amon. But we see in verse 26 that Josiah, his son, reigned in his place. And he was eight years old, according to verse 22. And last week we, we mentioned that in verses 1 and 2 we see that Josiah was a good king. I believe we all know that Josiah was a good king. If, if, if we were asked right now, without even having studied um, extensively as we have throughout the Kings and Chronicles, who was the good king? And I'm sure we all would say we would all come up with Josiah because, well, we, we know he was a good king. But what I wanted to take us to today was something that I find remarkable is in verse 8 of chapter 22, 8 through 14, where it says, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book of Shaphan, or Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it to the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. 
Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Asaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused, that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of the book, to do of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. So, uh, Josiah, as we talked about last week, he was a good king, and he was having uh, having the folks, the people, go and 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 repair the temple. What I find amazing is that first, when we re- we're reading. Uh, verse 8 through, I think, 10, or starting at verse 8. They found the law. They found the book of the Lord. They found the law that was lost in the temple. I mean, how do you lose the word of God in the place where you're supposed to be reading that and you're studying and, and worshiping God? It was lost. That lets you know that how much the the the... Um, these people of God were not following God in all these years. Remember who his daddy was and his granddaddy was, and even his great granddaddy, um, uh, Hezekiah. Even though Hezekiah was trying to do good, it, remember what I've talked about: how leaders leaders can have a great influence. And, um, I keep squinting because I can't see you all. Uh, leaders have a great influence on the people that they lead, and if leaders are not Say, say the elders, if James and I were not serving God in the way we should, I would hope someone, besides Tony, I would hope someone would, would say to us that you're not doing right. You need to serve God. You need to step down. But so often in the church, we will find inadequate leadership and the congregation goes right along with those elders. And that's not right. Um, and we... As we continue to go on today, as we read and study today, we'll see that God does keep his promises. And he's going to keep his promise about those who did not serve him in the right way uh, before Josiah, how he was going, going to destroy them or allow them to be taken into captivity. Well, another thing that I saw and that I found amazing was in verse 11 of chapter 22. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. The scroll was plain enough to be understood. The words of God were plain enough to be understood. The Bible of that time would have been like Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, but I want you to you understand that God's word, the Bible, is understandable. And it was understandable then. If you look in a few verses... Turn back to Deuteronomy um, chapter 8. These are some of the things that Josiah probably would have heard. Chapter 8 verse 1 says, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. This is what they were supposed to be doing. And that's, that's what they started out doing. 
But we know that they didn't conquer all the lands like they were supposed to, or all the people. Chapter 12, verse 1 says in Deuteronomy, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess. All the days that you live on the earth, you shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you, ha- which you shall di- dispossess serve their gods. On the high mountains and on the hills and on every green tree. What do we keep hearing throughout each of the kings that we've read about? Both in Israel and Ju- um, Judah. The high places were still there. They were still worshiping on those high places. Sometimes they were worshiping the God. Sometimes they were not. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling, for his dwelling place, excuse me. And there shall, and there you shall go. There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. And that doesn't mean when they came to their rest, they could do just whatever they wanted to do. Because God had um, laws and commandments for them even then. We we could keep on reading. We'll see that they had... God had laws for in chapter 15 for uh, the, how they were supposed to take care of the poor. And ver- chapter 16, uh, in chapter 16 in Deuteronomy, you will find the they had to review uh, the Passover, like what what was the Passover for, and how they were to keep it. The Passover and all uh, different religious feasts. There were laws of sexual immorality, how kings were to govern, uh, rules of war. All these things, um, I, I can only imagine were what Josiah was hearing in his, um, the reading that was, uh, that was given to him. And it says that he tore his clothes because he knew that they were not doing, they were not doing what God would have them to do, not according to the law. And so, um, as I said, that was read to him. He understood it. And Josiah sends the high priest and others to Hulda, uh, the prophet, uh, prophetess. And we're back in Second Kings chapter 22. Second Kings chapter 22 and verse 15, it says, Then she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. Thus said the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on his inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the words of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place. It shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. 
Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because you, your heart has, your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you, and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Now, it doesn't escape me that we're, this is Hulda, the prophetess, that is speaking on behalf of the Lord what, what he told her. Listen, God can use whoever he wants to to get his point across. I, I don't I don't want to have us try to spend time right. Well, why did he choose a woman? And and this is not the first time he's chosen a woman to do uh, what he would have her to do. You can do you can try to do as much reading as you can. There is not a lot that is said about who the other than who her father was and where he came from. Um, just know this. God's word has been spoken. And those men took it back to Josiah. And one of the things you need to understand also, if you want to see more of what, of how things went down, we're going to read some of it. But if you want to know, like in verse 19, it says, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place. You can read Jeremiah chapter 44. It gives you a lot of detail of what what God was going to do and, and, and even uh, how his son did not follow what God had said, and that's who he was speaking to. Well, there's wrath to Ju- Judah for their apostasy, and and then there's going to be peace to Josiah because of his faithfulness. Remember, leaders can influence the people that they that they lead, and I believe that Josiah was a great uh, influencer um, for his people. In chapter 23, we see the rest of Josiah's reign in Judah. The reading of the law in chapter uh, 23, verses 1 through 3 in Second Kings. The reading of the law in the temple and renewal of the covenant. The law is read to all of the leaders of Judah. And the people confirmed their pledge to God. You can read more of that in Second Chronicles, chapter 34, verses 29 through 32. So, as you get through this chapter, verses 4 through 25, we see the eradication of idolatry. He destroyed the idols of Baal and his vessels. Uh, Josiah killed the idolatrous priests and burned the groves, broke down the houses of the Sodomites, defiled the high places, and he defiled Molech. Remember, Molech was the the uh, idol god that they would worship, and they would take their children and sacrifice uh, their children to this this idol, this thing that they built. You know, I was looking at some depictions of what Molech may have looked like, and we have some on the wall um, down as you're going down towards the the, the restrooms. uh, We have his hands out like this, and you put your children in his in its hands. I don't want to call him he because he wasn't real. Put them in 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 its hands, and there's fire right under, and they burned the children to death. Could you imagine doing that to any of your children? I know the answer is no, because I couldn't do that to my children. You know, I also, as we read earlier during our lessons, I also couldn't take my children and 
me and Liz, we're going to divide one of my children up and, and we eat it. And then, you know, tomorrow you and, and Steph and y'all divide. You, no, that's crazy. I couldn't do But when you get so far away from God, you do crazy things. You, when we look out into the world, Tony was talking about this last week, you know, the world is going to do what the world does, right? And so when we look out into the world and they're doing all these crazy things and we go, man, that's crazy. No, that's just them without God. And you can be the same way if you decide to leave the Lord. Enough of that, sorry. Uh, we also see that he destroyed the sun worship in verse 11. Verse 12, he broke down altars of Manasseh. Verse 13, he destroyed Solomon's grove. Verse 15, he destroyed the altar of Bethel. He burned the bones of the false priests. He removed the houses of the king uh, of the high places in Samaria in verse 19. He slew the priests of the high places uh, in Samaria also. And he killed the workers of witchcraft. Turning your, your attention to verse 21 of chapter 23. You can read a lot of this in Second Chronicles 34 and 35 as well. In verse 21 of chapter 23, it says, Then the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of the covenant. Such a Passover surely had never been held since the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of, jo- uh, of King Josiah, the Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away those who consulted mediums and spiritual, uh, spiritualists, spiritists, excuse me, the household gods and idols, all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in, and in Jerusalem, that he might perform the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hilkiah, the priest, found in the house of the Lord. Now before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul. And with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath with which his anger was aroused against Judah because of the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sight as I have removed Israel and will cast off this city Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all the, all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Uh, the Passover was reinstated and God still will punish Judah because of um, Manasseh's sins. When we get, I, I was mentioning last week that sometimes though as a if, if we want to use the word good, uh, good people or people that are trying to do right, righteous people, sometimes we mess up too, though. We still sin. We still don't get it right with the Lord. We do that. We fall. Um, sometimes all we do all this good stuff and we think that's going to outweigh the bad. But, you know, one sin, if you continue living in it, it, it will keep you away from the Lord. Or sometimes it's sometimes it's just you just being hard headed, you know. You you you're, and I guess sometimes I mean that if you you figure out if being hard headed and what you're doing, 
if it's a sin or not, and depending on what it is. I, I'm digging a hole here. I'm, if I know I'm supposed to drink more water, but I'm being hard-headed and not drinking more of it, um, then that's going to be on me. So that's an example. But I'm thinking about Josiah right here in verse 29. After all these things he did, it says in his in his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went to the aid of the king of Assyria, to the river Euphrates. And King Josiah went against him. And Pharaoh Necho killed him at Megiddo when he confronted him. Then his servants moved his body in a chariot from Megiddo, brought him to to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb and the people of the land took Jehoahaz the son of Josiah anointed him and made him king in his father's place now but if you turn over to second chronicles chapter 35 you will see why I'm saying that well he was being hard-headed chapter 35 of second chronicles looking at verse 20 uh second chronicles 35 starting at verse 20 it says after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Nick, Necho, or Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carchemish by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he sent, he sent messengers to him, this would be the, um, the king of Egypt, saying, what have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come, uh, I have not come against you this day but against the house with which I have war. For God commanded me to make haste. Refrain from meddling with God who is with me, lest he destroy you. And so if I wanted to, if in that time wanted to know um, if this indeed was from God, well, I had prophets I could go to, I could talk to, I could ask, or as he did, he, he sent folks to Huldah, the prophetess. He could have found out, is this truly from God? But instead, in verse 22, it says, Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself so that he might fight with him and did not heed the words of Necho or Necho from the mouth of God. So he came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. Ahab did the same thing. He disguised himself as well. And the archers shot King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am severely wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that, that he had. And they brought him to Jerusalem. So he died and was buried in one of the tombs of his fathers. And all of Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. He was not at war with Judah, the king of Egypt. He was going to war against Assyria. And he was directed by God to do so. As we read, uh, Josiah Josiah still went up against him and he died. Jehoahaz then reigns in his place. And Jehoahaz is now the 17th king of Judah. And guess what? He was evil. I know that seems like a running theme there. His father was good, but he was evil. Now Jehoahaz, oh, something, something I wanted to mention, um, to you all that even though when we, when we read, sometimes we read, uh, the Bible and this happened and then this happened. Okay, that didn't happen this way. Uh, Josiah did all that he did by, you know, all the things that we say he broke down, he destroyed, all, all that happened. And then 13 years passed before uh, he went up against the king of Egypt. And the reason I know this, you just do the calculations, you'll see 
he, he, how long he reigned, how old he was when he became a king, how old he was when uh, during his 18th year uh, at, in his reign, and then, you know, kind of up to when he actually went up against, he went up against uh, Egypt, against the king of Egypt. So people mourn him because when you're a, a, a good leader, a great leader, you tend to continue, hopefully, to be that person. And I'm sure that there were a lot of folks that just loved this king because of what he did and how he served God. And when you are serving God, when you are trying your best, even sometimes your enemies will go, you know, I can't even, much as I keep trying to go up against him, he has God on his side. Same thing with us. We can be the servant of God that God wants us to be, and even our enemies will go, I can't think of anything to do to him or her. They, they still will try, and what we're supposed to do is still continue to serve God. He just, I wish he would have, my own opinion, I wish he would have just not have attacked Egypt. He may have lived a little bit longer. That's Jaylee's personal opinion. Uh, let's, moving on in our lesson here, still in chapter 23, we see that he was evil. Jehoahaz then was taken to Egypt by Pharaoh Necho. Uh, in chapter chapter 23, verses 33 to 34, and he dies there. And then his son, Eliakim, the son of Josiah, made king by Pharaoh. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm saying the wrong name. Uh, Eliakim, though, he was the 18th king. His name was changed to Jehoiakim by Pharaoh Necho. And guess what? He was evil as well. Uh, Jeremiah is the prophet that we see now during this time. And this is around 606 B.C. in the study that I've done in chapter 24. And we have introduction of Nebuchadnezzar. Jehoiakim serves Babylon three years. And then he rebelled. It says in verse 1, in his days of Second Kings chapter 24, in his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. And then, excuse me, then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him raiding bands of Chaldeans, Chaldean bands, oh, excuse me, Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, and bands of the people of Ammon. He sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servant, servants and uh, the prophets. Jehoiakim dies. And you can read that in Second Chronicles 36, 8 as well. And Jehoiakim, his son, reigns in his place. And he's the 19th king. And he only reigns for three months. Babylon's rule then is extended even unto Egypt. Now we're in verse 8 of chapter 24. And we, re- we read about Jehoiakim, here, Jeho- Jehoiakim there. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem three months his mother's name was Nahushta the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem you know what is amazing about her name if you think about what we I think we talked about last week or the week before about yeah we talked about last week about the Rabshakeh and um, actually I was sharing with Ken Smith what, what I found out about, about the Rabshakeh but um, I guess I'll mention it now. If you ever watched the the movie, uh, the cartoon Disney movie Aladdin, the 
the enemy, uh, the sorcerer in that, in that movie is called Jafar. Well, Jafar carries a, a bronze serpent with him. When I was trying to figure out in my mind what rap Shaka would have looked like or who, who he was, I've always imagined him. But when I was doing some research, when they were doing, Dave and the artists were doing their rendering of, uh, in the background of who they wanted this character to be like, I cannot pronounce the name, I don't even remember what the name is, but they modeled this, this character after a, um, old distant vis- visar or vicar of a, an Assyrian king <laughs> and who was like the Rapshaka, um, who spoke for the king. And it's just amazing when you see a picture of this man, he carried that bronze serpent. I mentioned that bronze serpent because we talked about the bronze serpent before when uh, in Numbers where the children were again rebelling against God and God sent those serpents into the camp and then they cried aloud and Moses prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him to build the bronze serpent and they were still carrying this thing around and they named this this um, this serpent uh, Nashatan or something like the close to that and imagine you are, you're, you're so involved in this false religion that you name your children after these idols and things that go on. And she, her name, the Shuta, is close to that. Second uh, Kings eighteen four. She was the daughter of Elnathan, as we read, a well-known man in Jerusalem, and he be, and she became the wife of the ungodly Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, her father, Elnathan, was of the men who tried to prevent Jehoiakim from burning the scroll of Jeremiah's prophets, prophecies. And you have to read that in Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 22, and all of chapter 36 of Jeremiah. With that side thought, he was evil, and he surrenders to Nebuchadnezzar, and all the treasures are taken to Babylon. In verses 14 through 16 of Second Kings chapter 24, we see that all royalty, all warriors, and all craftsmen were all taken away. Nebuchadnezzar makes Mathanian, Jehoiakim's uncle, the king. And he's king number 20 in verse 17. Nebuchadnezzar changes Mathaniah, excuse me, I said his name wrong, name to Zedekiah. Read more about him in Second Chronicles chapter 36, 10 through 11. And he also was evil. He rebelled against Babylon as well. He is the last king of Judah. Their wickedness is the cause of their ruin. So then there's the conquest of chapter, in chapter 25 of Jerusalem. There's a two-year siege and there's a famine. Zedekiah is captured in verses 4 through 7. Uh, his sons killed and his eyes were put out. And that is prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. Nebuchadnezzar sends Nebuchadnezzar to complete the destruction of Jerusalem and removal of the people. Verse, 20, uh, verse 8 of chapter 25, reading, In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord and the king's house, 
all the houses of Jerusalem, that is, all the houses of the great, he burned with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls of Jerusalem all around. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive the rest of the people who remained in the city and the defectors who had deserted to the king of Babylon with the rest of the multitude. But the captain of the guard left some of the poor of the land as vine dressers and farmers. The bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord and the carts in the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried their bronze to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar sends this Nebuzaradan in to completely destroy the rest of Jerusalem. He he probably was a general officer, as we would see it in our day, and had great authority. As we read, he burned the temple, he burned the palace, burned the houses of the great men, the walls of the city, he removed the captives, and as we read, he did leave some of the poor. What we didn't read is that he took all the values from the temple and removed the chief priests and the king's counselors and all the men of war. Uh, all the chief priests, all the king counselors, and all the men of war, they were all killed. If you want to read more about this captivity, you can read about it in Second Chronicles chapter 36. This is the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. In Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 12, Jeremiah 29, 10. Love the Bible because it, the prophets are going to tell you more about what happened during this time. So I encourage you to go back and read all these different prophets that I've mentioned who are going to talk about these times in Chronicles and Kings. Verse 22, we're introduced to Gadaliah. He's made the governor. His father, Ahiakim, protected the prophet Jeremiah against the fury of Jehoiakim. His grandfather had been the royal secretary. Ishmael and the followers are told to serve Babylon in verse 23 where it says, Now when all the captains of the armies, now when all the captains of the armies, they and their men heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah governor, they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, Johan Jehohanan, the son of Kareah, Sarariah, the son of Tanhumath, the Nephthite, and Jezaniah, the son of Machanite, they and their men. And Gedaliah took an oath before them and their men and said to them, Do not be afraid of the servants of the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be with you, well with you. But it happened in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishama, of the royal family, came with ten men and struck and killed Gedaliah, the, the Jews, as well as the Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. And all the people, small and great, and the captains of the armies arose and went to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans." Now it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 27th day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon. I don't know, is it capitalized in your Bibles? Evil Merodach. Would you like to be remembered like that forever? Evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, 
released Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim changed from his prison garments, and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king, a portion for each day, all the days of his life. So he was given a king's allowance the rest of his life. This partially fulfills what is said in Jeremiah 27, 12 through 13. And at this time, Ezekiel and Daniel are on the scene. Looking at Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 22 to 23, we see the proclamation of Cyrus permitting the return from captivity and for the rebuilding of the temple. And that ends our lesson there in uh, Second Kings there. Something that you may keep in mind that, that we can get if you wanted to write this down. First Samuel ends with the death of Saul. Second Samuel ends with the death of David. First Kings ends near the death of Ahab. Second Kings ends with when Judah falls. First Chronicles ends with the death of David. And Second Chronicles ends with the decree of Cyrus. There's so much more that we we could have studied and, and looked at. Uh, and as I said, we were not going to read all the way through Chronicles um, because, well, today is the last day of the, the quarter. But these books, they may seem like, seem to be unnecessarily repetitious. Uh, talking about, well, this is what happened in Kings, but then it kind of says the same thing in Chronicles. They treat the same historical period as the books of Samuel and Kings. Over half of the material in these books is a duplication of information contained in previous Old Testament books. The difference is that these books review the same information from a different perspective, talking about First and Second Chronicles, and with a specific goal in view. The name of the book, Chronicles, in Hebrew, these two books bear the title of the Words of the Days. It is evident from First Chronicles 27-24 that the term is used in the sense of annals. If you look at Second Chronicles, twenty, uh, First Chronicles, excuse me, twenty-seven, uh, twenty-four. Reread, but David, am I reading that right? Twenty-seven, twenty-four. Joab, the son of Zeruah, began a census, but he did not finish, for wrath came upon Israel because of, the, of this census. Nor was the number recorded in the account of the Chronicles of King David. The books of Chronicles were written late in the Old Testament history after the return of the Babylonian captivity that we've been reading about this morning and were designed to impress the returnees with their spiritual heritage. After 70 years of captivity, Israel was no longer Israel. Judah and David's line Judah or David's line was still not broken. We know that because, well, we continue to read, when we read about Jesus' um, heritage or his lineage, um, we see that it was not broken. But imagine that you've been in captivity all this time. The writer wanted these returning Jews to see themselves as the continuation of David's kingdom. He also wanted them to be strongly aligned with God, the temple, the priesthood, and the covenant. 
You know, they needed to be reminded. Imagine there are probably folks that are a part of this part of these Jews that are coming back that weren't even born during this time. Um, Seventy years later, I think I would need to be reminded of who I am and who I belong to. And so Chronicles, I believe, covers um, the period from Adam to the return of people from Babylonian uh, captivity. It gives it gives them a sense of purpose in who they are. The books originally formed a single book in the Hebrew Bible and were most likely joined with the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in their earliest days. The thing about the message of the Chronicles is that with the exiles home from Babylon, it was important, as I said already, that they were to be reminded of their covenant relationship with the Lord. We need to read the Bible and study it. We need to stay in it because we have more than just Chronicles to read and study and to know our relationship with the Lord. We have to do a better job each day in doing that because we are human and we're going to forget. We can keep pointing at these Jews. We can point at Judah. We can point at Israel. We can point at someone else and say, well, they're not doing what God would have them to do. What are you doing? Let's make sure that we are staying in the book. There's a there's a devotional I listen to on a gospel broadcasting network most mornings when I'm going to work and it's uh this it's called Good News Today. When it comes on, it, they talk about different things, different scripture and things, but what I like the most is what the brother says right at the beginning. He said there's good news every day, everywhere found right here. Even though out there in the world there's so much bad there's always good news right here. And if we just turn to it and remember it, as the writer in Chronicles was trying to get the Jews to remember then, that this is how you stick with the Lord. And so I hope that you have seen through First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, that God wants us to turn back to him, always back to him. Come back to me. I'm going to even give you opportunity to come back to me. He kept warning those kings, hey, just turn back to me and things will be fine. But they were being hard-headed. They were still wanting to be evil. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And so then God had to do what he had to do. Let us always turn back to the Lord. Let us always live a penitent life where we are always wanting to serve the Lord. Let's have a prayer. Lord God in heaven, we're so grateful to you that you are so merciful and gracious to us and that you always want us to turn back to you. Help us to have that mind. Help us to have that attitude that, Lord, when we do sin against you, that we don't stay in our sins, that we repent and ask for forgiveness and move on. Help us, Lord, to do our best to do your will, to accomplish your will, Lord God, and live for you. We're so grateful to you, Lord, and we can't say thank you enough, but we're, we are thankful for you, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for your attention during this quarter. We are dismissed.